Hello, residents of Meeple Town. Dean here. Darren Headswivel. And today we're going to be sharing some news, talking about some games we've been playing, but most importantly, talking about our top five most anticipated games from Gen Con. So thanks for joining us as we are seeking to create community through board gaming. This is episode 136. Residents of Meeple Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean with an I Heart Indie t-shirt on this time and balancing stacks of board games in his hand and a board game carrying backpack on his back, knocking tables and, and breakable things over and wearing his Frosthaven Algox hat, looking like a demon spawn of the Burger King. <laughs> what are the words you just said? Frosthaven Algox? What's that? What's an Algox? Have you never played Gloomhaven or Frosthaven or any of those things? Algox is one of the the, the races of beings in the Frosthaven universe. Oh, They're I known gotcha. for like the the big horns and stuff. There was uh-huh. several years yeah. ago, you know, that was all the rage at one of the one of the conventions. I got you, and and you're wearing one, brother. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Well, we're actually watching each other on video right now, and I'm not, in fact, wearing one of those. I'm just wearing a normal hat. Are you calling me a liar? (laughs) Your hat does have at least have three stars on it. It does have three stars, so that's almost three horns. You sit on a throne of lies. That's not what I'm doing at all. (laughs) You smell like beef and cheese. How can Meeple Town trust you when you Um, are uh, spreading such such, uh, atrocities? Totally untrustable. (laughs) Why am I wearing all those things, Darren? Because today we are talking about our most anticipated games for Gen Con. Woohoo! Gen Con's right around the corner, people, just a few weeks away. (laughs) Which we, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I am not, once again, not going to Gen Con. I will not be there. Right. But we will have some Meeple Town representation because you, my friend, will be there. Yeah, buddy, I'll be there, and hopefully I'll be there with some Meeple Town stickers on me. So if uh, if you're out and about in Indianapolis, walking around the convention center or the hotels or the Lucas Oil Stadium, where all of Gen Con will just encompass the entire city of Indianapolis, if you see me out there wearing, sporting my Meeple Town merch, uh, stop by, say hi, I'll give you a sticker, we'll chat, we'll talk, it'll be a blast. You might give them a sticker if I can uh, remember to bring the stickers when I see you next week. <laughs> you better. People Town, if I do not have a sticker on me, you know exactly <laughs> whose fault it is. Dean, the dream slash nightmare. Whatever. You'll have, a, you'll have a t-shirt on that says, I don't have stickers because <laughs> Dean didn't bring them. That's a catchy not, shirt. <laughs> is it? I'm, I don't I'm not think sure. So. I don't I'm think so. Sure. I don't know if I would support that. Of course, yeah. it's attacking me, so I definitely would not support it. That's not uh, not building me up. I'm sorry. Just tell me how I can build you up further. <laughs> but I am excited. I'm excited for you to hear about all the the Gen Con shenanigans. That is a, uh, mm, I don't know how to say this. I'm, I would love to go to Gen Con, but we mentioned in the questions last week about our, our favorite conventions that we would want to go to, and that wasn't on my list. Center. Not that I don't want to go. It's just that for some reason, something about that one just doesn't get me as excited about some other ones. That's because you've never been. That's probably right. I tell you what, it's uh, it's quite it's quite ecstatic when you're sitting there in the 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 lobby area. I don't know what you call it, waiting for them to open the doors. And I, I think I tweeted out a picture of this, or y'all tweeted out a picture of this last year in the Meeple Town. Um, 
thread of me sitting there among the throngs of thousands of people standing in line. And I've been there since like six or seven in the morning. It's like Disneyland or Disney World, people waiting to go in and rush, not run, but rush um, to their favorite booths to pick up that rare limited game. It's something, it's something else. So using some some Disney language, are you there for rope drop? Do they do oh, this every day or is this no just No question. A... Every day, every okay. day there is basically rope drop. And uh, and yeah, uh, I was there hour, hour and a half early each day because you got to get in there, man. You got to elbow. You got to make some room. Mm. Is, there a, is there a media place to go like there is at... Uh, you know, PaxU has a media space. There is a, a, a similar space in... Um, at Gen Con, at least last year, no, no lockers like they had at Pax U, but there is okay. a space there with some, with some tables and some games set up there that if you wanted to, to look some things over or take some pictures, you can do that. But the most important part of the media room, at least for me, was the coffee pot that was over in the corner <laughs> that was always full, always hot, steaming and fresh. That mm. got me through the day that and my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's what you, that's what you live on while you're at that's, Gen Con. That's exactly right. And coffee. I, I'm not going out there to those food trucks. I ain't paying them prices, but uh, <laughs> just give me a sandwich and a coffee. I'm good. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing um, your coverage on this. So Darren's going to be doing some, of course, I guess we'll have a second episode drop out before this. It's this episode and then another episode before Gen Con actually right. happens. But, right, but, right. Look forward to Darren's coverage on that. If you're not following us on the social media, on Twitter and Instagram, be sure to do that because Darren's going to be posting on there and um, had some has had in the past some cool pictures to share with Meepletown. Yep, yep. And so we'll be talking about our most anticipated games as part of the feature review later on. But until then, Dean, ask me why I'm Darren Head Swivel. Oh yeah, why are you Darren Head Swivel? Yesterday, as I'm coming into the office, I was reminded of that of this morning coming in. Um, seeing some of the traffic uh, around campus, but coming in yesterday, it was starting to rain. People weren't really paying attention. As I'm about to pull through a red light, this this joker on his scooter, this little motorized scooters oh, yeah. that you can just rent. This guy's zipping through the intersection there and the light's green. And he's not paying attention. And then there's another car coming across the intersection the other way. They're not paying attention. The two collide. I saw a scooter take on a sedan yesterday. Oh no. The sedan, the sedan won. <laughs> if there was ever any doubt, oh, the sedan no. won. The, and the funny thing was the scooter guy looked shocked. Like, how dare you hit me? Um, I, I, I see <laughs> that. We, we have a lot of the, the bird scooters around Nashville. Yeah. And I'm telling you, they don't care. It's like they have taken the the star from Mario and they're just like <laughs> invincible running through the town. Yeah. And I can assure you, I've ridden those around Nashville and you are not invincible, in fact. <laughs> well, a big hunk of the scooter flew off. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if any of the car flew off. Both parties stopped. Um, I got out of there as fast as possible. Everybody seemed to be okay. So I didn't want to be a witness to, to anything in case somebody wasn't. But Oh, man. Okay. Either All way. Right. Well, so coming on campus, you got to have your head on a swivel. Just like if you were climbing a volcano, Dean. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to hear about this one. I, I uh, we're, we're getting into game talking now. Let's talk yeah. about some recent plays, baby. All right. What you got here? So Saturday morning, I'll wake up, go through my morning routine, um, 
after a little bit of time, I, I spend some some time on the YouTubes, as the kids say, and I'm watching a video uh, on the Dice Tower about this game that they just played called Oh No Volcano. I thought, ah, oh, this looks like a kid's game. This looks ridiculous. Oh No Volcano is designed by Phil Walker Harding, praise be. And I, I feel like Phil Walker is an aspiring Kinesia. I feel like this guy is putting out more games than anyone else. He's like the James Patterson of board game designers. He's just <laughs> cranking out games left and right. Uh, he's trying to catch Kinesia 700, but Phil Walker um, has designed You heard it game. here, folks, that <laughs> Phil Walker Harding is as good a designer as, as Reiner Kinesia. I said he's trying to be as prolific. Let's be let's be specific. <laughs> uh, but he is a great designer. I like a lot of his games. And this yeah, one is too. a two to four player game. It plays in 15 to 25 minutes. Very light game by Buffalo Games. This is basically a Plinko <laughs> game driven by some hand management mechanism with a collect gems and a volcano theme. All right. So you have this deck of cards and uh, you have three in your hand and you're playing them to move up your climbers. You've got three climbers and each card will tell you which climber can move and how many spaces it can move up this volcano. You build the volcano. It's like five-step assembly, this really sturdy, shiny cardboard bits of hard plastic that looks like a Plinko board. And so you build up this volcano and then you're playing cards to move your workers up this volcano, trying to collect gems. And the first player that fills up their board full of their gems wins. Now, when you play your card, like I said, it tells you which climber can move and how many spaces it can move, but also tells you whether or not you can place a boulder blocker, which is basically just that. It's it's a piece of plastic that looks like maybe a, a cliff or a, or a peak or something that you can place on some of the, the spots on the board that kind of takes away those spots from other climbers, but also potentially blocks or deflects the lava balls that you're about to drop down the <laughs> volcano because the cards also tell you um, what slot, because all the slots at the top of this Plinko volcano are numbered, and it tells you what slot that you can drop the lava ball down. And uh, so you play your card, move your worker, move the boulder, drop a lava ball. If, you're, if your um, climber gets knocked off, you get to draw a gear card, and you can play that later on, and that gives you some extra special movement. And it is ridiculous. <laughs> but it is a lot of fun. Okay, there we go. I was looking for the the fun, not fun rating on this because um, the idea seems really cool. I mean, Plinko, the board game, Volcano Plinko is what they should have called this. Yes, absolutely. You had posted a video in either you sent it to me or you you posted it in Discord. I can't remember. I put a picture in the Discord. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But sent me a video. I think with with the uh... yeah Volcano by Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, yes. There we go. Volcano. Um, <laughs> I, this looks cool. I think this would be a fun little family game. Um, got kind of maybe ho-hum reviews from Dice Tower, but but you seem to right. like it a little bit more. We not had bad. a blast they didn't with have it. bad re- reviews, I think, actually. Not not terrible. It was like sixes and sevens, I think. You yeah. know, so, so good game. It got a seal of approval from them. Uh, for me, this is going to get a purchase on our play pass or on our pass player purchase scale. This gets a purchase. Really? One, okay. Yeah, oh, absolutely. One, because I already purchased it. Uh, you can pick it up at Target for $19.99. <laughs> but uh, my wife and I played it and we just laughed. And uh, we played it with some students uh, a few nights ago. And they seemed to have a good time. 
uh, w- one guy, bless his heart, Justin was every time a lava ball would would come down, it would knock his it would knock his climbers off. He was so <laughs> frustrated. Well, but but you know the rest of us were playing very strategically because there are some strategic decisions to make. Yes, it's silly, goofy family fun, but you know when to um, where to place your worker, when to move this worker, how to manipulate the the boulder blockers, and you know <laughs> that. Granted, there's random chaos. You never know where those lava balls are going to go. But but it's fun to stra- to try to strategize and then to watch all of your plants come crashing down around you in balls of flame. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun. Silly decisions, but lots of good chaos. It's great. Purchase. That's cool. That seems like that would be a fun little, little party slash. How many people can play this one? Oh, it is four. Two to four. Two to four. Yeah. Party-ish yep, yep. family, family style game. Looks cool. And I, I like Phil Walker Harding too. There's a lot of his games that I am drawn to. So that's, yep. uh, yeah, that seems cool. I'll know Volcano. The, what is it? The treasure seeking lava dodging game. The, and that's exactly what it is. <laughs> what about you, Dean? What have you been playing? <laughs> Something a little more sophisticated than that. Uh, I got a play of the the new hotness three ring circus, which uh, we both got a play of this, so we can both talk about. Yes, we did our play. This is a Devere Games game, and it's uh, Fabio Lopiano, which is uh, a designer. Lots of people are really drawn to, and uh, Remo Conzadori. Uh, Conzadori. And in this game, you are going to be hiring artists and other performers to try to be the most famous circus in the United States. That is, that's the theme behind this. Now, this is a, a tableau building game where you have a board with slots on it where you're going to be placing cards. Um, these are your artist cards onto your board, your performers. And um, so on your turn, you're either, going to, you're either going to play one of those cards or you're going to uh, have a performance. And performance is just based on what you have placed on your board and kind of how you build up your tableau. And, um, and then, you know, have a show, either in a small town, a medium city, or a, a main city. Small town is going to give you money um, based on the shows that, that – uh, that you perform along with the empty towns that have not had any performances before. Because, you know, if you're a small town and you have a circus and the next town over doesn't have a circus, well, they're going to want to come over and spend money at your circus. So you'll get money that way. You can go to the medium cities, um, and that's where you're going to be able to collect some some of the better artist cards that are going to be available. Or you can get victory points that way. Or you can go to the main city and have a show, and that's where you're going to get a lot of your a lot of your points. Uh, I say that, but you're actually getting a lot of points in a lot of ways. There's a lot of end game scoring in this one based on the cards that you've placed on your tableau, based on your objective cards that you've, uh, that you've completed along the way. You're going to, uh, every, uh, every time you have a performance, the Barnum, uh, caravan is going to be moving around the board. And when they reach these major cities, you're going to look at how many, how many performances, how many shows that, that I've put on in this complete region. And there's some area majority there. So if I've got more shows that I've put on in this region, then I'm going to get more points whenever that Barnum tent or whenever the Barnum caravan comes to, comes to town. And that's it. Once it goes through all those different regions, you get to the end, then you add up your points. There's a lot of cool things going on with this game. One of them is you do have these multi-use cards with your, uh, 
the money. The money cards are either the value of the money or they're going to be performers that you're putting onto the board. There's that hand management piece because you you can only have a certain amount of cards in your hand. And, you know, you have to manage how you're going to put those artists out based on, you know, how much money you're going to keep in your hand, that sort of thing. And um, the order of the cards that go on your board matter as well. You're not just building up the uh, your engine as you go along, but they have to go in numerical order and the colors matter on there. So you, you, you're you wanting to line these up in a way that you can put on this huge performance that, uh, you know, that the, that the big city demands. When the big city demands a performance with these very specific type of performers, well, you want to do that so you can get the most points. Um, we played this at two players, which I think is probably not the ideal player count. Although I don't think we're going to be talking about... Um, uh, we're going to be talking about another another Devere game coming up and uh, in Jerusalem, which I think more demands having a higher player count. This one I don't think demands having that higher player count. I think it's it's probably better when you have area majority with more people, but I don't. I, I think it still works really well at a two player game. You're just blocking off different spots on the board. Um, before I get to my thoughts on this, what what do you think of this? I really enjoyed this. Um, um, when we played it, there's kind of like with, with the veer, there is sometimes a lot to take in at first. And I didn't know anything about the game coming into it. And so, and so you taught me, and there were a few things I got wrong early on. Like I may or may not have cheated with my hand count. Um, Cause one thing that's unusual about this game, unlike other games is that you're in goal scoring counts toward your hand, your in goal scoring cards. Everybody has some unique in goal scoring cards and those count towards your hand limit. And you have a hand limit of, of how many? Is it seven or? That seems right. Ten, something along those lines. Um, so I may have cheated at the very beginning. But uh, but I really like the multi-use cards and the way you're trying to uh, manipulate your um, your caravan and, and, and how to move it across and, and try to maximize your, your points there and playing the cards down in your tableau and trying to figure out um, where they need to go and and how best to use them to get the icons. Cause I felt like some of the resources were pretty tied in this one. Wasn't that correct? Oh yeah. 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 There, there were times when, when money was extremely tight and, um, especially because you're, you're trying to balance, you have the money cards that have performers on there, but then you also have the artist cards that have better performers on there. Right. Um, I say better, but they're, they're just different. I guess they're, they're what you need to be able to score the big points and in-game scoring as well. And and so it's not that they're necessarily better, it's just for the points that you need at the end of the game, they're better. Yeah. So so balancing that out is is it can be tight for sure. Yeah. It's neat kind of racing each other sort of around the board to put on their performances. And then and I felt like at least when we played, you know, our scoring was really close at the very we were neck and neck. I may have even been in the lead a little bit until we started scoring the cards on our board. And each card you play, you know, has those those special scoring conditions potentially. And, uh, and man, you had, had your, you know, some cards as for you score this many points. If you have orange cards on this side of this card, or so many points, if you have green cards on this side of this card, you did that really, really well. And I did almost none of that. <laughs> I, I was just happy to get cards down on the tableau. Um, but, uh, see, I think you killed me in the, in the overall scoring. It's a bit uh, of a challenge because you, you can, it's one of those games that, you can make some choices. You can, as you're putting those artists that give you the in-game scoring out there, you can think, 
let me put some out there and focus all my attention on getting as many points on these cards as I can. I'm more so just kind of flooded my board with a bunch of endgame scoring, and it's not mm-hmm. that I wasn't paying attention to it. It's just some of them scored me a decent amount of points, and then some didn't really at all. It was more of a numbers game for me, uh, which is which is a strategy in this game, but I don't think it's the only strategy. You get a lot of points from endgame right. scoring, but but you really can focus some attention on the um, you know on the in game score in like during the game scoring, which I think is that's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to score points in this one. Yeah, you had one card in particular, I remember, that scored you so many points for every purple card you had in your tableau on yes. your board. And that that was the only part of the game I felt like, I don't know if that's the most balanced part of this because if you you could easily just put a bunch of purple cards out there and score rack up. To, I think you had like 15, 16 points, I want to say maybe off that one card. And that isn't that that wasn't even the most expensive card to get. I had other cards that were more expensive that didn't score, didn't have near the potential of, of scoring that many points. That felt yeah. a little weird, but then again, that could just be me, me bad playing and um what have you. But well, than, so it's it's hard to say. I don't I, let me say this about this game and some of Devere games. I don't love the way that the rule books are laid out for a lot of Devere mm-hmm. games. And it, I don't even know if it's a them problem or if it's a me problem in my understanding. But, you know, some rule books you just tend to click with a little bit better. And Devere, I tend to struggle right. with. There were a couple of questions that I feel like may have, could have been clarified a little bit more. One was, do the objective cards count towards your hand limit, I think. And uh, we said that they did, but I'm not positive that they did. Oh, um, it's maybe we cleared that up, but I, 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 I don't, don't remember. I don't think we did. This card that you're talking about was another one because there are some cards that say, you know, you max out on a certain amount of points that you get on. This one seems like it would be that, that you would max out, you know, 12, hmm, gotcha. 15 points or so, whatever that max would be. But it didn't seem to to say that for this specific card. And so we went with the fact that there was no, there was no limit on this. And so I ended up getting, like you said, 15 or 18 points, which was a, a decent amount, and probably that card alone was enough to win me the game, I think. Uh, I think you still had me by a few points, but it would have been much closer without that one. Okay, okay. But but, but anyway, I I think I like I like what this game has to offer. Uh, I'll say that. I think, it's, I think it's really cool. I need more plays of it. I've only got one. I actually have it set up on my table at this very moment to try the solo version of this mm. uh, because I've been, I've been trying to, as best I can, play solo versions of games uh, when they do have them available. And this one, I, I don't know anything about it. The setup is a little bit different. You do set up two boards. One of them has a flip side, um, uh, like a solo board, and you're going to be, as best okay. I can tell, flipping over cards, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm interested to try that out. But as it is at a two-player game, I thought it played well. I thought it was good. I don't. This isn't a purchase for me yet. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a play, but I think on the higher play i think uh it, it kind of again go back to devere games in general sometimes devere games grow on me because the first play it, it's a little bit more of a, a battle to get through the to get through the rule book and make sure that we're understanding all the rules but i, I don't think this is a difficult game and i actually think we did pretty well in this one uh, better than we did Jerusalem when we played that um for the first time but i right. yeah i really like this one i think it's fun yeah, I like it too. I've, it's 
Greta, I know this is your bit, but I'd give it a play too. And I'm definitely leaning towards purchase. I'm thinking about it. I hope to borrow it from you here soon. Yeah. Because I think you, if, Cindy will like this one. I think she'll enjoy playing this one. Yeah. If you do borrow this one, I might not ever get it back. That's the point. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to purchase it. And this it was falls a, on the steel category. <laughs> this was a, a review copy from Devere as well. I wanted to mention though, the the art on this real fast. Uh, Adu Vals. Um, who also did the the art for Botoku, Redwood, Terminus, several other games, Block and Key. But I love, love the art direction on this game. I think it's it's perfect for the time period. It just seems to I don't know. I just it seems to to fit really well with that, you know, classic uh classic circus coming to town kind of vibe that you that you get from this game. Yep. Agreed. I really dug the art on that. Thank you, Devere, for that review copy. Yep. Um, you do good stuff. Excellent. All right. Now let's get on to the news. And now in this week's Canizia news, what many consider to be the greatest game of all time, Tigris and Euphrates is getting a reprint. <laughs> yes, the 1997 Canizia classic about building a civilization in ancient Mesopotamia through farming, trading, religion, and government is set to be at Essen this October. At the time of the recording, the publisher is yet unknown. Actually, a lot about this game is unknown at the moment. In a Dice Tower review, the good doctor said he hasn't even seen the graphics or anything for this game yet, but apparently it's going to be at Essen. What do you think about that, Dean? Well... Um, I'm, I'm looking there, there really is no news on this at all then. So There's the picture nothing. I'm looking at on this, uh, I'm looking at dice breaker, which is the, um, the, the one that I'm seeing that, that I don't know if they broke the news, but they have this posted up on here. They have a picture the, posted, which I'm guessing is, yeah, that's a fantasy flight. It's the old version from fantasy flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The news that's actually, it. the news actually broke on a, on a video hosted by the Dice Tower. And I want to say it was an interview with him through like the World Series of Board Gaming. And that's when he talked about it. And Dice Breaker picked that up and reported on it. And and yeah, that's that's all there is. But hey, Essen is only, what is this? July, uh, three months, you know, less than three months away, somewhere in there. Um, so there's going to be a lot of excited people waiting to see some images of of this. Who's doing it? What are, what are the components to be like? We were... I'm wondering if if someone like 25th Century is picking this up and they're going to give it the raw deluxe treatment because that could be real exciting. You know, okay, I thought the same thing. When you first told me about this, I thought, oh, that that makes sense. But I doubt it because 25th Century did the deluxe version through Kickstarter, correct? Right, yes. And so my guess is that would be the same you know, that would be the same route that they would go. Same thing for, for, uh, Amun Ray, whoever did Amun Ray, I can't, uh, Alley Cat games, I think, mm-hmm. um, yes. went through, went through one of those game found game found. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of those crown crowd funding sources. So that I don't have anything to back it other than to say, historically, that hasn't been the case and not just for them, but for companies who do deluxe versions often, it is through crowdfunding. So my hunch is it's more of a straight reprint. Again, this is based on zero information. This is just, you know, Dean knowledge, Dean, Dean, uh, context clues. <laughs> Dean's context clues. It almost sounds like a kid show instead of blues. 
dense context clues. It's a much lamer, <laughs> uh, not as exciting version of Blue's Clues. Yes. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> um, are you excited about this? You're, you're a big Knizia fan. I, I am a growing Knizia fan. Uh, I, I had the almost backed Huang when that was on Game Found, which is a redoing of Yellow and Yangtze, which some say is a redoing of Tigris and Euphrates. I, I didn't bite on that one. Um, I'm just really curious to see what what comes of this. Is it done in such a way that maybe it grabs my uh, attention? Maybe I go after it or not. I would like to play it. I'd like to play some of these classics. Because like I said, many do consider this to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest. It may not show it in the BGG rankings, but this is about as classic and timeless as it gets for many. So I'm curious. We'll see what happens. But speaking of old classics, let's maybe talk about some future classics. Dean, what have you got to talk about in the news? All right, Darren. So what I have in the news are the burm, 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 Spiel de Jars winners, Woo-hoo. which we'll get in the conversation about the award in general. But let me go ahead and just announce the winners. First up, we have for the for the Kinderspiel, which is the children's game of the year, we have Mysterium Kids. Captain Echo's Treasure. Mm. All right. I'm just going to I'm gonna announce these. I, I have nothing to say about that, honestly, other than the fact that I really like Mysterium. I think it's a fun game. And I don't know anything about the other two games that, that were up for it. So way to go. Congratulations. Way to go. That, that's my pick. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, the, the winner of the game of the year, so Spill the Jaris, um, just the overall game of the year was Dorf Romantic. And that was up against Fun Facts and Next Station London. And then the Connoisseur Game of the Year was Challengers, which was against Iki and Planet Unknown. So out of these, I don't know if we've talked about any of the Spills Jars nominations or anything. I think we did. But out of those, what have you played? I have played none of these. Even out of the the recommended or nominated or whatever? Well, I didn't look at the recommended list because right here in the in the show notes you had listed uh, those that were nominated. Yeah, so sorry, that's of, what I meant is nominated. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm sure I would have chosen probably uh, some of the ones from the recommended list if it were up to me, but it is not. Uh, but looking at at these, um, I've not played any of these, and to be honest, the only one out of any of the games that I would be interested in playing that is the winners and the nominated would be Planet Unknown. That's the only one that that sounds like it would interest me. Of the winners, I feel like Mysterium Kids is the only one that I'd want to play. Carla um, Caramel is right. not one that you want to try out? I, I don't know a whole lot about Carla Caramel. I'm sure she's great. But um, I'm kind of with you. Like I like some of the Mysterium-type games, uh, particularly Paranormal Detectives. I know that's not a fan of yours, but it, it has some echoes of the Mysterium-ness. And um, I like that one. But, but I, I really don't know a whole lot of the other ones. Uh, I know you've played Challengers and really like that one. Yeah. So out of these, I've played, let's see, out of the game of the year, I played Fun Facts and Next, Next Station London. And I have Dwarf Romantic on the way now. That's mm, right. Okay. Said it. Um, <laughs> you were one of the first ones to buy it before it sold out. Because just like any other game, as soon as these winners are announced, they're gone. They'll sell yeah. millions of copies and you won't be able to find them for a year. And then they'll all get a sequel or an expansion or something like that in the next year. Yep. Yeah. And this one seems that Dwarf Romantic seems like it would be prime for that. This is a, a 
cooperative tiling game and it's got this campaign element and so you're unlocking new things as you go so it just seems like you could just unlock even more things and expansions for this i'm excited about this i've heard some good things even though you hear a lot of negative things too i've seen some really cool things on this one where people say if you really give it the time if you dig into it and start unlocking all those new things it actually becomes a very I say actually, um, like, <laughs> I guess a, game is a hot garbage, but it could actually be okay. If you just give it time, <laughs> play about 50 times and you're there, you know, you might really yeah. appreciate this, but I think I'm going to like this one is, is my thought, even though I'm seeing some negative things. All right. It, it um, sounds like one you would like, and I don't mean that disparagingly. Oh, <laughs> Oh, you'd probably like this game. <laughs> no, no, no. I, th- I think it does like a game that you would that you would like. Um, but did, did I mean, you say you had played Fun Facts? Yes. Okay. Yes. What did you think of that one? Because this is Amigo. This is in the whole, or or not Amigo, um, or is it Amigo? I don't have it pulled up in front of me. No, no, no. But it's uh, uh, Repos. Repos. Yeah, Repos Productions. Yeah, um, yeah. With uh, just one and So Clover. Yes. I- how does that rank for you among those? Because I was kind of shocked this one didn't win. It is my least favorite of those three. Okay. But those games are a lot of fun. Big hits for my family. Yeah. And Fun Facts is no exception. It's It's been a big hit with my family. We have a lot of fun with this one. Now it does, it is tricky because some of the cards just are a little more difficult because we play this with kids too. We play it uh, on all of these. I've played with ages, you know, five to like 70. Um, I've played this yeah. with, with big age ranges and just one. And so Clover are a little bit easier. Um, even for younger kids, I think easier than fun facts, even mm, though you have to okay. write. Um, so maybe not five, maybe like seven. My kids are seven and 11 right now. Uh, almost eight, almost eight and 11. And they can play it no problem, any of these games. But there are some with fun facts where it just doesn't quite make sense. Um, right. Like, you know, it's basically in, in fun facts, you're ranking um, in order. How, how do I explain this? So it gives you, it gives you a topic. Like if you, I don't know, if you could go to one of the questions, if you could go to Disney if you had an unlimited pass to Disney, you can go anytime you want. There's no, you don't take money out of the equation. How many times in one year would you go? So all of the answers are going to be numbers. And then I'll put my number down. And then the next person after me is going to put theirs either above mine or below mine. And you're trying to rank these. Once it gets all the way around, the first person gets the place. There's, they get to move theirs one last time. And then you start flipping them over. And for every one that goes in consecutive order, you get a point for that. Um, it's really, it's really cool, which by the way, that is one of the questions, Darren. And I want to know what, what would be your answer? I can tell you what my answer was. Is it so, really one of the questions? Cause that was about to applaud you for that being the first one you just made up off the top of your head. No, it was, it was, if I remember right, it was Disneyland. Okay. Um, so you can go to Disneyland anytime you want. Money is not a question for one year. How many times would you go? How many days in a year? <laughs> 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 on a leap year 366 so you know you might get an okay extra day in there. so if we were playing that with my family it would be a tie because i feel like everybody would put sorry and it three... wasn't days it was it was how many times how many times would you go okay how many days in a year 365 okay so 365 oh hold on <laughs> maybe it's the way that we answered this was different so it was like would you go on 
you know, 50 trips, like every week you would go. So that would be 50, not necessarily like every time you go through the, you know, through the gate or whatever. It's not like you're going to fly to Disney every single day. So if you go for a week or if you just live there or whatever, I don't know. So now we have already found a flaw in the game. No, because some of the, the questions are, are are open to interpretation. I don't think so. I I think it was worded really well, well enough that we all understood what it was asking. I'm just I'm just botching it up right now. Okay, so it's your fault. That's fine. Okay, let's just say my answer would be every chance possible. Although one time, <laughs> but I would stay there for 365 days. There okay. you go. Yeah. Now, so it's 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 like that. That's how it plays. Sorry, that was a huge explanation right. for the one that did not actually win. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but but in talking about one of the winners, I am curious because you said you played Challengers, you really like it. But I also know that you uh, you own and really enjoy Planet Unknown. Um, compare those two because those two seem like I'm not sure they belong in the same category, or do they? <laughs> <laughs> now this is this is this is the rub, I guess. Right. Okay. How do you compare these type of games? One, how does Challengers fit into the what would be the connoisseur game of the year? Now, often we think heavier weight as gamers, we think heavier weight equals connoisseur game of the year. And that's just not the case of of how they categorize this. It has more to do with what are games that gamers would enjoy, even if it's lighter games. Um, That that's even that is kind of, you know, there's a lot of gray area in that. Looking at the list, it makes sense that Planet Unknown would be more of that style game, or or Iki. Uh, from I've not played Iki, but it seems like it would be more of that that heavier game that fits in what we have in our mind of what that game should be. Yeah. Challengers is not that game. It's a it's a lighter mm-hmm. game that is just good fun. And so, which one would I have picked? I probably would have picked Planet Unknown, but it doesn't mean I'm I'm. I love the game that much more. Even I probably do. I, I do like Planet Unknown better than I like Challengers. But in the right setting, Challengers is an amazing game. It's fantastic. Mm. It's so fun. If you have the right group and everything falls in that category, it's a great convention game, I would say, or a, you know, a weekend getaway kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, so I'm, I'm totally fine with this being the winner just because I think it's so fun. But I get there's a lot of people who just don't, they just don't love that as the, as the pick. Kind of, if I remember yeah. right now, I'm not looking at this, so I could be wrong. It seems like Quacks of Quedlinburg was the connoisseur pick and not the game of the year. Am I wrong about that? No, you're right. When, whenever, whatever year that was, Quacks was the the, the Kinderspiel winner. So, so yeah. And again, this conversation comes up every year. You know, the the categories and what's too heavy, what's too light, are they leaning too light, and and all that jazz. And I think, you know, sometimes it's important to keep in mind that these are. The German games of the year. Okay, these are these yeah. are games where they're celebrating, you know, the the Spiel, the Jars is the 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 family game, the family weight game. And then the Kinderspiel, like you're saying, the connoisseur, the enthusiast. If you look on the the some of some of the SDJ people as they're describing it, you know, it's the the enthusiast game of the year is for those who are already familiar with the the Spiel de Jar, the the family games. Mm-hmm. And so, so it kind of makes sense if you're keeping that in 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 that context. Why they would be a little lighter? Why so many people that want them to be heavier games? It's not really like you said. It's not really talking about heavy games. These are games of the year 
that people in that enthusiasts in Germany would play if they're already familiar with family style games. And one thing I'm wondering is, are do the games seem to be getting lighter because there's more people in the hobby? As more people get into the hobby, wouldn't it kind of make sense that things might skew a little bit lighter? I don't know. That's just my mm. hypothesis. I haven't proven that or had the documentation to back that up. But um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I th- I think what would satisfy people more that that have a problem with this, uh, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think what would satisfy people more, sometimes they've done this extra category that has been um, kind of like a, we don't have a, a position to put this. Uh, uh, um, pandemic legacy is a good, is a good example. Right. We don't know where to put this in this because you can't really make it game of the year, kind of a one-off thing. So let's put this whole other category and we'll make it this game. Uh, if I remember right, Agricola fit in a weird category too. I'm not again. I'm not looking at the list, but it didn't fit in the normal game of the year. Maybe that's what introduced the connoisseur game. I can't remember now. I think what would it what would make people happier is if they just had a heavier category of some sort. I'm not saying that's what they should do. I'm right. just saying I think a lot of people have their expectations in a different place than what Spilajaris has it in, and that causes a lot of people to get frustrated which you know it i say if do what you want to do honestly if you're going to get frustrated get frustrated at origins awards because you basically <laughs> have to pay for those right you have to pay for an entry to get your game even considered which i think is insane i think it's insane i hate it so much that that is what they do <laughs> and that's why origins means absolutely nothing to me like i i could care less about any award than the origins gaming awards because of that but Spiel Jars is they it doesn't for me. Like I get super excited about Spiel Jars more than any other award. Hmm. And I get that I okay. might be in the minority in Americans that feel that way. Maybe not. I don't know. But what it does for me is it usually brings games to the forefront that I've not been aware of before. I yeah. knew of Dwarf Romantic, but honestly it wasn't really on my radar. And but then I started watching videos. And I'm like, oh wow. I really we've we're gonna be talking about Mist over Carcassonne in the the not too distant future. I love that game. I've been, we've been eating that up in our house. And so Dorf Romantic seems to be one that kind of fits in that same category. So I'm actually really excited about Dorf Romantic. And and it you know, it introduces games to me usually that I don't that aren't on the radar. Challengers is one. Once it was nominated, really shot up the list for me and then I've really enjoyed that one. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm Again, I'm still I still consider myself fairly new into the hobby. The the STJs, I think, you know, I am interested. Uh, I don't value them all that much. I don't like live and die by the the awards nominations. They're they're not the ones that I look forward to the most. The the awards that I pay more attention to because they generally um, speak to more games that that I am interested in are the like the Golden Geeks. And and the Dice Tower Awards, those are the two that I really kind of pay pay attention to. Um, but but again, I also know those are probably I don't I don't know I don't know if those are more uh, USA centric. You have more people contributing to that than, than the others, and that's why maybe it speaks. I I don't know. But what I do know is that the Dice Tower Awards, the actual ceremony, will be held when they give their awards out at Gen Con. That first day of Gen Con, that Thursday night, they're having a oh, whole yeah. award ceremony. They're announcing that. Uh, I will be there. I am going. I am highly anticipating going to Gen Con 
and being a part of that award presentation. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't, I, yep. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> I agree. I agree with what you're saying on that. I really think Dice Tower and Golden Geeks probably make the most sense. Anything that is the, that the people are, are controlling, um, I guess. Now, Dice Tower isn't exactly that. Dice Tower is, but, but they have a huge panel, um, over a hundred, right? hundred. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people. So I enjoy that one. And then, and then Golden Geeks. I think Golden Geeks, as far as what is the best representation, I think Golden Geeks probably, it has to be, right? I mean, what else can people just go on and vote? Now, they're going to be skewed maybe a little heavier because you have to have an account with BGG and have, you know, there's something else with that, have posted or right. something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. Donated or something like that. But but I still think it's the best representation of overall but what Spiel des Jahres does is brings games to my attention that I might not be familiar with. This year, I was a little more familiar with them. Even if I hadn't played all of them, I at least had heard of them. Um, but in past years, that hasn't been the case. I'm wanting to say Quacks was one of those games that I didn't really know about until it was announced on here. That Maybe not that one. There was, there was There's been a few over the years where I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And then I play it and I'm blown away. I also have a collection of Spiel des Jahres winners um that's another separate hobby of mine i guess apparently i don't have all of them but i've got a lot of them and i don't i don't dislike most of them i mean i i think they're fun and they i get i oftentimes whenever i sit down and play the games and, and give them the attention they need usually i think oh i get it i get why they pick these so you're building your own spiel de jar library i am yep for is. the meeple town yep. con that will happen never <laughs> One day, I don't say never. One uh, day, that's something else people can highly anticipate. This Meeple Town Con coming your coming your way very soon. I get asked about that a decent amount, yeah. honestly, because we we talked about it for so long. I still want it to happen. I just don't know when. When speaking of uh, games, I forget what we're doing. <laughs> this amazing build up. Speaking of Gen Con, speaking of games that that we anticipate coming out every year let's do our top five most anticipated games at gen con yeah. all right we are going to be talking about gen con games and this is actually being recorded on youtube as well probably we're testing this out live and so if it records well and all goes well this might be a video that we post on there as well but let's go ahead and give some parameters for what this list will entail, because I think probably our list are not exactly the same on how we approach them. But what we did is we said, let's look at games that, uh, first off, let's look at the Board Game Geek preview, Gen Con preview, which includes a, a section for games that are being demoed, and then you can filter it out and say games that are for sale. And so that's what I did. I took my I took all of those games that are to be demoed and I made a list. All the games that are being sold and I made a list and then somehow like figured it out from there. Um I don't know how helpful that is, but I do know my list is not just games that are being demoed or just games that are being sold. I actually have a a, a combination between the two. Yeah, mine is mine is the same. I am looking at games that are both demoed and for sale, and some of mine, uh, some of mine, I don't think are on the Gen Con list. Um, 
What? As far as as far as the preview. Whoa, you're just the, you're flying <laughs> off the handle now. Well, you're just I, doing what you want to do. I have some insider information. Oh, uh, okay. From, <laughs> from from various people, just because I've I've backed various uh, crowdfunding projects, and so they've sent out some stuff telling backers that this will be there. Um, and I'm not sure those are actually on the BGG list, at least not yet. We are recording this a little bit in advance. And as of last night, when I checked, they had not made it yet. But uh, mm. but I am very, very excited about some of these. Now, I will say, though, many have said, and I kind of feel this way too, the list itself to choose from was not necessarily the most exciting list. Um, there's been a lot of people who have said that so far the preview list uh, seems to be a little a little less than this year, a little lacking in some heavy games. But as I was looking at it, though, there were still a lot more games that I was excited about than I thought. How did you feel overall looking at the BGG preview? I don't I don't know. I, I might fall in that other category of, of the people. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I was super excited going through most of these. Now, I could come up with a list of five. I can come up with a list of five games that are being sold and games that are being demoed. But I don't feel as excited this year about some of the releases as I have in, in years past. But... There's always things that come out. Fantasy Flight always does some big reveals the weekend of Gen Con that you've never heard of before. And so I'm excited to see things like that. But as far as just looking at this list, I don't think I was getting super jazzed about a lot of things. Gotcha. Well, do we want to talk about some of our honorable mentions first and then go through our our top five? Is that how we want to do it and just throw those out there or save them for the end? No, no, no. Let's go ahead and... uh, Okay. Yeah, let's go ahead and do some honorable mentions first. I think that's fine. All right, cool. You first, since you apparently don't care about any of the games on this list. <laughs> Ooh, you know what? I hope I don't actually spoil anything and talk about games that I... Okay, I, I messed up my my list in my honorable mention list. Okay, so a couple things that I would be... That I'm, that I'm excited about that didn't quite make the list. And one is War of the Ring expansion. Mm. Uh, yep. I really like that game. Darren introduced that to me a little while back. I picked up the game and now I want the expansion, especially because it does have that, I think, solo aspect to it as well. I'm intrigued in trying that out. So if I was at Gen Con, that would be one of the places that I would go to to pick that up. Catan Starfares expansion, New Encounters. I would be going to pick that up as well. Really, really like Catan Starfares. It's, uh, yeah, one of my favorite in the last several years. I would head over to the Osprey booth and and pick up general orders and undaunted stuff and and then maybe make my way over to the oh what is it Trick or Treats mm-hmm. uh, Studios um, yeah Trick or Treat Studios they've got a lot of cool stuff that's coming out that actually probably yeah. would have been number six on my list is my guess but they've got the new Gold West edition that is uh, apparently going to be for sale the Halloween game, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think all of those are going to be for sale. So I'd be yeah. I'd be pretty pumped. And then the last one, the only reason this one didn't make my list actually is because it's three to six players, but Queen by Midnight. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this one. It has I have the, briefly. Okay. It is has the most intriguing art out of any game coming out. And I don't even think it's close. I think the, the art on this is incredible. Draws you in. The gameplay looks like it's really cool. The theme of it is that you are, um, this queen has has died and now somebody else needs to come in as the queen, but you have to battle it out. Whoever's standing on top at midnight is going to become, become the queen. There's a dice tower included in here and lots of cool card play, but it's three to six players and I'm not getting a lot of three to six player games that are of any substance. Most of the three, to, you know, anything over three, I'm, 
our family style games that I'm getting played these days. So anyway, that's my honorable gotcha. mentions. Alrighty. For, for me. And, and again, I will say, um, part of, of my, my cheating also includes the fact that, uh, I am not including some of the games that I have already like pre-ordered or played or had some kind of experience with. So there's tons of games like my honorable mention list was like 20 something games that I want to talk about, but I've already pre-ordered them or have some kind of contact. I want to talk about them again here in the future. Like you mentioned war of the ring uh, against the shadow, the, the solo and co-op expansion that I've already got that on pre-order. I'm not talking about those kind of games. Um, but some of the ones that I did uh, pick up on uh, another Phil Walker Harding game coming out Spellbook. I've seen lots of neat stuff about, about that. I won't talk too in depth about on these, but they are honorable mentions. Go check them out. Spellbook for Walker Harding. Uh, art looks great on that one too. A little card game called district district noir. Um, I'm loving these little simple quirky, quick plan card games. Uh, dig the art on that. Uh, the whole theme behind it. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one too. Another card game, Bonanza Dahlia's. Have you seen the, have you seen anything about this? Yeah, I have. I have zero interest in it. <laughs> so, so again, I'm, I, I've never played Bonanza. I, I know it's fun. I, I like Bonanza. It's a good. Game. I've, I, I hear good things. It's Uwe Rosenberg. One of the things that have always put me off about trying that one is just the beans, the art on the beans, and some of the other stuff. Like I just, I can't get into it. But when Beth Sobel goes to Uwe and the crew and says, "Look, I want to do this game, but I want to draw the art, make it flowers." Okay, uh, th- that I'll give a shot. So I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, Wandering Which, Towers. By the way, let me let me clarify what I said. I'm not interested because I already have Bonanza. And gotcha. I, the flower theme just doesn't grab me. It's because Beth you Sobel hate nature. Art. Yes, that's right. But Beth Sobel, art does grab me. I, I really love um, a lot. I mean, most everything that she does, honestly. I, I, I like it a lot. But I don't need it, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Got you. I'm clarified that because all the, I'm glad that you clarified that because all the residents of People Town think you're a jerk now. So <laughs> the another game, Cromer and Kiesling's Wandering Towers. Oh yeah, uh, and I think now BGG has this listed as a, as a 2022 game. So I don't know how much older this is. I've seen some reviews that are a year or so old, but I've also seen some that are here recent. So I'm not quite sure how. Uh, expansive this game is if you're already able to get it or not. But Wandering Tower sounds pretty good from them. Simple game where you're, you know, magic school students and uh, you're trying to move them around the board, basically, and trying to get everybody into their the, the tower so that way they can take their final exam. And the board is all these really cool cardboard towers that you construct and you lay them out in a circle and you're moving them around and you're trapping wizards. It, it seems, again, like a light game, but looks like a lot of fun from them. And lastly, honorable mention, this was supposed to be there at Gen Con, but I have not seen anything else on it uh, about whether it will be there or not. But this is a reprint of Tales of Arabian Nights. This is Tales of Arthurian Nights. That's right. We were talking a few weeks ago about wanting a game that actually had Arthur the Knights of the Round Table in it. Maybe this is the one, you know, the storytelling. Uh, I've never played the other, but. Uh, but this one seems like it might be worth worth checking out at some point in time. But those are my honorable mentions. Yeah. Yep. I. Yep. I. I don't <laughs> know what to say about this one. Yes. I'm. I'm excited to try this one. 
I don't know if that's going to be my style game. You might think, yeah, I don't know either. Of course, that would be your style game, but I just haven't played it and I haven't dug enough into it to see. I don't know. That's when I feel like I would have to experience some things that I've heard about the original, the uh, Tales of Arabian Nights made me think I probably wouldn't like it, but who knows? I'm intrigued by that one as well. That's, that's a good call. And I'll say this too, again, looking at my list, I'm not saying these are the best or most exciting games there at Gen Con. These are the ones that do something for me that, uh, that I really want to check out. I'm very curious about. So we shall see. What have you got? What's your number five? All right. My number five is, I have to do that because I can't find my list yet. Um, there we go. My number five is one that is supposed to be for sale at Gen Con. Um, I just confirmed that. It does look like it is It is for sale. That is the Lost Ruins of Arnak expansion. It's called the Missing Expedition. Um, so it says, let me just read this for you. It says that in this expansion, you can test the strategies offered by two new leaders, which is good. More leaders is always a good thing. Explore new paths to knowledge on two new research tracks, which Hey, add more research tracks on this game, and I'm all for it. And you're going to have new artifacts, items, and assistance. So all of those things, it's just more, more, more of Arnak, which uh, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm all for that because I, I don't necessarily need new mechanisms in this game. I love, I love the way that get, the game plays, but especially with the research. Tra- well, no, 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 both, but with both the new leaders and new research tracks. Those are the things that I'm most jazzed about. Uh, so that is my, that's my number five. I would be, I would be doing my best to, to go pick that up if I was going to Gen Con for sure. Yeah. You know, I still haven't played Lost Ruins of Arnak. So maybe one of these days. <laughs> Darren is no longer allowed on the show. <laughs> Have you played Dune Imperium? I, d- I do really enjoy Dune Imperium. And you like Endless Winter too, if I remember I right. I really enjoy Endless Winter. Yeah, I think for it's at least a try. It doesn't connect with everybody in the same way. I prefer right. this to Dune Imperium, but I understand there's a lot of reasons to like Dune Imperium better. Something about yeah, something about Arnak just just draws me in, and I love this game every time I play it. I think you would enjoy it too. Not as a not as thematic, but it still has that that fun you know dual. Uh, dual different mechanisms of worker placement and and deck building. Two of my favorites. So be worth checking out. That is Lost Ruins of Arnak, The Missing Expedition. My number five is the, and I still can't believe I'm putting this on my list. My number five is the Call of Cthulhu Horror on the Orient Express, the board game. Maybe the longest title I've ever ever said. Um, This is is a game that's going to be up for demo. It's not even coming out until 2025. <laughs> so this is a really, really early stage of a game. But I, I'm curious about it. This is Michael Golubowski, um, who who helped with Destinies. Sorry if I butchered your name, Michael. And Adam Kapinski, who's known for Nemesis and, and other games, The Origins, The First Builders, uh, published by Chaosium. And one to four player game, 90 to 100 minutes. And this is in the world of Call of Cthulhu, horror, mystery, tabletop RPG, which typically is not my thing. I've not played that before. Um, but it's set in that world. And of course, it's set on one of the most famous trains ever. And so in the game, you're traveling into the dreamlands and you've got monsters and cultists and vampires that are hunting you. And you're trying to defeat them while discovering the secrets of the Orient Express. It, it's a co-op game. 
you're controlling a character who obviously is going to learn new skills and, and you're going to gather items and talk to passengers and discover clues. It's got this whole deck bag pool building mechanism and pushing your luck and narrative choice and a modular board. I'm intrigued. I've always kind of been intrigued by the theme of the RPG. And so I'm very curious to try a board game version of this, especially with the Orient Express. You put that in there, it hooks me for whatever reason. Maybe it's because my mom read all those Agatha Christie novels uh, when I was growing up and I watched all those old movies. I- I'm intrigued. Yeah. Intrigued is the, is the word I would put on there too. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I saw this one did not make my list or my short list even. <sighs> Something about the box doesn't. I don't like it. Um, Interesting. But okay. the thing that gets me excited, I mean, you know I'm a thematic guy. Adam Kwapinski being involved in this is the thing that's that's that does have me excited. Right. So, I mean, th- this th- more information that comes out, more components, all that sort of thing, that my mind might change very quickly. But right now, that's one that I'm just not super jazzed about other than the fact that he's involved in it. Yeah, and like you said, I really like his stuff. Like, I really like Nemesis. Um, and the way that he can cinematically tell a story through a board game, which I think will play well with this, especially with with Michael uh, from Destinies, which I've not played, but I know that gets lots of rave reviews about the way they're able to, to tell stories in that. I think putting those two abilities together could make this something really special, especially since it's standing on the shoulders of a very um, well-known and um, loved uh, tabletop RPG. So I'm curious. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That and is... I do love, I do love destinies. I think that's a fantastic game. So, so, so there you go. So that's the number five, Call of Cthulhu horror on the Orient Express colon the board game. I also didn't put it on my list because I, I knew I would have to say the game multiple times. And I don't <laughs> want to have to, I need short, short names. So speaking of which my number four is unmatched. Just one word. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's more. Actually, Which one? Um, so here's what I would say. My number four is Restoration Games. Okay. Uh, the cheater. Restoration Games booth. Yep, I know. I'm I'm cheating. I, I almost put I almost put Renegade Games booth on here too. That was another short list because they have a couple reprints. It didn't make my list because they're reprints, but I'm excited about the uh uh what is it? Robo Rally and what's the other one? Acquire that's coming mm. out of Renegade. That is not on my list, but I'm just throwing that out there. That's a bonus. It's a bonus uh, Ooh, game. Bonus pick. Okay, so my number four is the Restoration Games booth where I would go <laughs> and I would see, can I pick up Unmatched Brains and Brawn? That would be number one. Uh, well, not in any order, okay? I would see if I could play the the new uh, Unmatched Amazed which is the uh, Unmatched Adventures Tales to Amaze, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the new cooperative version that's coming out. Now, you backed this, and so I know that yes. you're excited about this, which is why it's not on your list, I'm guessing. Correct. My understanding, though, I was reading, this has been a, a minute, but I was thinking that all of those were coming on the same shipment, um, the Brains and Brawn and the Tales to Amaze. I think you had the option, too. If you wanted to throw that in there as an add-on, you could. Okay, okay. But, but, but that game has already been in circulation, yeah. Okay, but it's listed as a game. Maybe that's because if you backed it, um, that was the option. But it's listed as a demo, um, not as one that they have for sale. So I'm guessing they're going to complete. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe they're going to get those out to backers first. I don't know. Who maybe knows? So. I, that's all speculation. Don't quote me on gotcha. that. 
But the thing that I actually, this might be the number one thing I would do is I would run there to see if they have any copies of Thunder Road Vendetta Chrome, uh, (laughs) Maximum Chrome, Maximum Chrome for sale. Now they don't have any of that listed online. Uh, I can't tell you how sad I am in how many times I've looked for that game online for a reasonable price. I want it bad. I want it so bad. So I would run to the booth. Actually, this would be the first thing that I would do. Honestly, if I knew they had maximum Chrome Thunder Road Vendetta, I would run there to go pick it up. So that is my number four, all things restoration games. I can do that, right? Is anyone else thrown off? You said it's the first thing you would do and it's your number four. I'm so confused. I can't wait to see what... (laughs) It's because it's because they don't have it listed on that. It says that they I have know. Thunder Road for sale, but I don't know which version yeah. they have. Yeah, the the preview just has the the base game up there. But let, yeah. let me tell you, I would be running to all of these booths, um, but they're not all the games that are for sale on my list. I'll, I'll get I'll try to mention the ones that are. I don't know some of these. I'm a little unsure about. So that's my number four. Yep, unmatched restoration games, all their stuff. Very good. My number four is not a booth that I will run to, but it's definitely one I'm going to swing by because I'm hoping to pick this up. They said it's going to be there for demo, potentially, and for sale, according to the preview. That is World Wonders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is designed by Z Mendez and published by Meeple BR or Meeple Brazil. This is a Brazilian company. Uh, It's one to five players, plays in 50 to, to 70 minutes. And in this game, you are taking on the role of great leaders from the past to build your own ancient city. Using action points, you're laying out these polyomino city tiles and you're building roads and you're building these big chunky wooden wonders. And I'm excited about like Machu Picchu and Petra and pyramids and Easter Island statues and all kinds of good stuff. Um, There's several tracks that you're moving up there on your own player board, like population and various other resources. And you're going to score the lowest tracks. You've got to, you've got to work up all the tracks and build out your little personal player board, almost a barren part kind of style, but with, but with tracks and chunky wonders. Um, I saw the, again, I saw the dice. That was my, talk. uh, that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> the chunky wonder. <laughs> I got him. I broke him. I got- <laughs> I've lost it. Show is over. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I did it. (laughs) I was not recovering from that. Chunky wonder. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to do the intro to the next episode. (laughs) But I saw, I saw the dice tower uh, talking about this one and they were pretty big on it. And I think I am too. It it looks a bit like a lighter game. It's, you know, the weight right now on BGG is maybe 2.1 or 2.2. So it's going to be a little lighter, lighter medium, but um, this looks like it could be a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah. When I, when I saw the review for this from Dice Tower, I immediately went to go see if it was available because it does look really cool. But then the more I think about it, do I need another one of these type of games? Maybe not. Right. Maybe it would replace something. You know, I've got Baron Park in my collection still. Uh, Maybe it would replace a game like that. Although I really like Baron Park. So do I need another? Yeah. See, same with me because I was thinking about that because this is the whole mental process I go through. Okay, I have some tile laying games. I have things like Baron Park where you put down a polyamino tile and if you cover an icon, you're going to gain a certain resource. I have that. I like some of the city building. Well, like I've pre-ordered uh, Mist over Carcassonne. You mentioned that earlier. 
oh, tile yeah. laying, you know, road building kind of deal. I'm looking forward to it. So I've got a few lighter ones of those. But to me, the difference is if you take something like that and it puts in a different setting, I, again, maybe it's just psychologically, it's a different setting. Your civilization building, you're putting out these different wonders from around the world. That automatically intrigues me. I have such a love for for travel and other cultures and and how ancient civilizations have been formed and developed. And I know this is just a simple game, but just that idea that's connected to it and gives me something tactile that I can mess with and, and do. I don't know. It sounds intriguing. That's why I'm saying I hope it's there for demo. I'm not sure that it will be, but it does seem to be there for, for purchase. And if it's not too expensive, I might pick it up. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good pick. That is number four, my number four anyway, World Wonders. All right, my number three is a game that I really went back and forth on whether or not I was going to back this. Um, this one is listed as being, let me see, as a game for sale. My guess is it's probably a limited um, limited copies of this, but it's Last Light by Roy Kennedy is the designer of this one from Dice Tower, and it's published by Gray Fox Games. This is a 4X game that plays in about an hour and it plays up to, with all the expansion stuff, I believe it plays up to eight players. Uh, wow. Although the, ba- the base game itself is, is four players. I think it's eight. It's a lot, but you're playing simultaneously, um, which is why it can play so fast. But you're going to be exploring planets. It's got this rotating, uh, rotating board. And... Um, I'm curious. I'm curious. Oh, and it has asymmetrical uh, alien factions. Uh, so they're they're all gathering up light before the the heat death of the universe. So everything's <laughs> going to going to burn up at the end of this game. Um, so really, it doesn't even matter who wins, right? Because nobody really <laughs> nobody really wins this game. I mean, um, does anything matter, Dean? Eventually, <laughs> we're all going. That's right. That's that's what this game is going to do. It's going to make you very sad by the time you finish it up. Existential crisis all around. I've heard so many good things about this. I really, this is maybe my biggest regret of games that I Hmm. have not backed. I just, I just don't, I, I don't have all the money in the world. I cannot afford every game that exists, and this is one of those that I just had to make a decision. I just don't have the money to do it, and and I really really want it so bad um so I, i've considered selling kidneys and things like that but i just <laughs> i felt like maybe maybe there's another game that's going to come out that's going to make me want to sell my kidney and i won't have one to sell mm, yeah. but Decisions. i'm really intrigued by this if i had all the money in the world this would be one that i would for sure purchase everything for i just just can't do it but it's still my number three because i'd be intrigued to at least go try to play this if i could that's Oh, uh, did you back this? You you interested I, in this at all? I did not. It. I, I'm interested. I would like to play it one primarily just because because Roy uh, designed it, and I yeah. think that would be neat to need to play his game. And um, the the, the whole forex space genre doesn't necessarily speak to me, but but I would play it for that reason. And and I'm sure Roy would be excited to hear that you would be willing to sell your body to back his game, and. Well, I haven't backed it up. I mean, I can say that, but the truth is I still have my kidneys. Well, you need to hoss up because being someone who has sold their body for board gaming, um, that is selling plasma. That is true. (laughs) Just to back a game. More on that later. Um, 
but but Roy should be should be pleased and thrilled by your by your pick. If you pick it up at some point, I'll play it with you. This actually made a top list of mine anticipated games like two years ago, maybe or last year, something like that. But it has made a top list before. Top list. Before. Thank you. Yeah, very excited about this one. Yeah, this one will get cool. played. I, I'm guessing I have some friends that did back this, so hopefully I can get to play this at some point. That is gotcha. Last Light, my number three. Excellent. This should be a quick one. Uh, my number three is Dixit Disney Edition. This one will be up for demo. And I know, hey, it's Dixit. It's been oh, around forever. this is not for sale. It is not. It's just for demo. Okay. Um, because my understanding is the retail release will be in September, like September 15th. And I'm almost positive it's a Barnes & Noble exclusive, at least at first. But they're going to be there demoing this. If you don't anything about Dixit, this is designed by Jean-Louis Rubira. Forgive me if I mispronounce it. And illustrated by Natalie Dumbois and published by Libelude. It's a three to six player, 30 minute um, classic party game, but in a Disney edition. This is the kind of game where, again, if you had not played Dixit, everyone has a hand of cards. One person's a storyteller. They select a card from their hand secretly. They give a clue to everyone else that they believe describes that card. Everyone else selects a card from their hands that they think best describes the clue that was given to them. The storyteller takes all the selected cards and shuffles them up and displays them out for everyone to see. And then everyone guesses on which card they think is the one that belongs to the storyteller. And if everybody or nobody guesses the right card, then the storyteller gets zero points and everybody else gets two points. Uh, Otherwise, the storyteller and all the people that guessed the storyteller's card would get three points. And if somebody wrongly guesses your card, you also get a point. And it's the first to 30 wins. Dixit is is classic. Uh, It's a great one. And apparently in this game, each card represents one of the 84 Disney and Pixar films, all the way back from Steamboat Willie, all the way up to Turning Red. So I'm sure Mm. this will be successful and there will be some expansions in the future that will play on the movies that maybe they didn't cover or the ones that will come out beyond turning red. So, so yeah, I think there's there's enough, enough content out there that they could expand on this. I mean, are there enough movies that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's, um, it's really going to be something. I mean, I've, I've been blown away by how they've expanded just on Dixit alone. I mean, there's multiple, multiple expansions. So I think they can get really creative with the Disney license and come up with plenty of material. Have you seen this? Were you excited about this one? Yeah. In fact, when BJ and I did that uh, list of Disney games for that podcast episode, I talked about Dixit as being one of the ones that I'm, I'm really right. excited about, about coming out. I really, we like Dixit in our family and uh, I've introduced it to a lot of students here. Uh, yep. It's always been a big hit. It's, yep, it's, it's a really fun game and throw Disney art, um, in there, in that, in that Dixit style of art, I guess I'm, I'm pumped about that. That's what I think I'm most excited about. I've not seen any of the cards, but if they're taking these movies and putting them in that Dixit, Dixit style, man, that'd be super cool. I can't wait. So yeah, my number three, Disney Dixit edition. All right. Speaking of Disney, we're going to talk about Star Wars. I threw you off a little bit, didn't I? It still counts. 
Okay. All right. So <laughs> Star Wars Unlimited, which is a fantasy flight game, which I, the more I think about it, I don't know if I should have put it up this high because it is a, it is a card, a collectible card game. It's a CCG or a TCG trading card game. Um, that I don't, I'm not, I don't have an interest in chasing a lot of things in these collectible games. Um, but it is Star Wars, and it is a Star Wars card game from Fantasy Flight Games. So I'm pretty excited about that. It says fast-paced, dynamic game that is both easy to learn and strategically deep. This game features iconic heroes, villains, ships, and settings from all facets of the legendary Star Wars franchise, including movies. TV, comics, video games, and everything in between. So I'm excited about this for a couple reasons. One, um, it's Star Wars. Two, it is a, you know, uh, as best I can tell, this is like a just a straight-up head-to-head, you know, a normal CCG-type game. It doesn't even say how many players. I'm assuming it's going to be a 1v1. But I don't know. I don't know that for sure. The thing that really draws me in though is the art it's not normal star wars art that you see in a lot of these other ones it is the it's these from the best i can tell unless it's from something else it seems like these are brand new illustrations of um more of a cartoony style look um i guess is the best way that i can explain that and i'm guessing you know in a lot of these ccgs where you have a lot of art there's going to be a lot of different artists involved in this um, so that's my guess, but it does seem more of a like 80s, early 90s cartoon style is the vibe that I get when I look at the art on this. So I'm I'm excited about this. It's for demo. It's not for sale. I would definitely want to go check it out just to see if it's a game that I would want to play. Not that I want to chase all the rares or anything like that, but what I want to do is just play it. Yeah, this is, this is one that I am going to get a chance to demo. It's one of the... Um the events that I signed up for at, at Gen Con. I don't know how I feel about it. We've mentioned this before. I've never played any of the collectible card games. It's not really uh, my thing, but um, we've mentioned one in the past that may or may not be on our list uh, here soon. And then there's this one. So it, it is because of the Star Wars license, it's enough to make me want to go and, and try it out. Um, the art, I know you love the art. The art is not my favorite of the Star Wars art. But mm. it is growing on me. It's so, different, uh, it, yeah, which it is, is what, what draws me in. Yeah, it's different. So so I'm curious. Yeah, this could be a, lo- a lot of fun. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to go check this out while I'm there. Uh, I'll let you know what I think. Yeah, I really like Star Wars Destinies uh, quite a bit. I think that's a fun mm-hmm. game. Um, same publishing company. The concern I have is, what does this look like a couple years down the road? They have, Fantasy Flight has kind of moved away from several of their... Um, collectible games from my understanding at least like star wars destiny just kind of got got axed at one point so i don't know i don't know what that looks like in their you know future if i i assume if it does well it's going to sell you know they're going to keep making stuff for it but who knows who knows what that bar is but i don't need the collectible part of it i can just get enough to play the game and then make that you know the the fun for me yeah so anyway that's my number two star wars unlimited cool cool my number two, again, this is one that I don't think has made the preview list. This is secret insider information because I was a backer on the Kickstarter for the big box for the big brother of this game. And this game that I'm being really shady about is 
the Western Big Legends. <laughs> Big Brother, the board game. Right. Uh, if only has someone not made that yet, that would be great. We should check into that. Um, this is no, no, the game I'm talking about is Western Legends Showdown. This will be um, for sale in a very limited capacity, potentially demoed. I'm not sure. Western Legends Showdown is a two player, 20 minute micro dueling game designed by Urban Record. Again, Western Legends, if you know anything about it, is a big sandboxy uh, Western style game where you're playing as these legends from the old time um, Western time period of the U.S. And there's train robbing and poker playing and and gold mining and robbing and marshalling and all these different things. You can do whatever you want to do in this game. It's big big enough to require a big box. And I really enjoy Western Legends. Dana, I know you do too. This is a micro game of that. This is a dueling game. It's actually a trick-taking card game that is set in the Western Legends universe and you're competing to seize the control of a Western town. And so I think in the game, not a whole lot of information out there, but what I can glean is that there are seven different locations you can choose from. And you're going to select three and put them out between the two of you and you are uh, competing over these locations. And each location has certain rules that will determine how the players can win tricks and play their cards. And so that's all I know about it so far, other than the fact that the card art looks amazing because it looks like the Western legend art. And I'm a sucker for that. And I'm a sucker for poker cards because that's also the style that they're done in. And this game is going to be on sale for $10. What do you think about that? I, I, yeah, I think this sounds cool. I love, I love the idea of this. It uses that same artwork, um, Mm -hmm. which, which draws me in. I love the art for Western legend. The, the question I have is when we say micro game, I think 1820 cards, something along those, I don't see on here where it says how many cards are in here. Um, but that's interesting. If it is an actual micro micro game that only uses that many cards, and it's a trick-taking game, I'm intrigued by that. I I wonder how that works. But if it's a two-player only, you don't really need a lot of cards. So I guess that's, yeah. I'm intrigued. I'm interested in this. I'm curious. I know you recently put up um, a Meeple Town Mini for for Northwood. Yeah. And I am curious how many cards were in that game. That's a, a solo lot. trick-taking game. A lot. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I had the same question. This is a micro trick-taking game. There's only 18, you know, 20 cards. And again, we're saying 18 because that's typically what Button Shy and other yeah. micro game publishers have done. Um, that would really be... But I guess what makes sense for it to be a 20-minute game and you're competing over three different locations, 18 cards limits. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe so. But yeah. I no, don't know. It, it, it's different though. The for Northwood, you actually do kind of need that many cards though. Um, it's it's weird because you're flipping cards over, but you can you start off with eight cards, but you can end up with a lot more than that potentially that you're going through. So I, you know, I've gone through almost all the cards in the deck in, in a game. Uh, so yeah, but in this one, if it's head to head, I almost feel like you you could need less than that. You know, um, right. It's yeah, that's I'm I'm really interested in this and not not enough to put on my number two. That's crazy high. <laughs> yeah, th- th- this is one that I may be running for because it's limited. 
you know, they're only going to have a few copies there. So I may run and run and grab that one. That is number two for me. Western Legends Showdown. There we go. All right. <laughs> cool, cool game. <laughs> My number one is another collectible card game. Look at there. <gasps> Look at that. Two collectible card games. And I'm not even a collectible card guy at all. You are um, now. Well, I have I have done some like the uh, what's that one? Marvel Dice Masters. Is that a thing? Dice Masters is it. That's it. Yep. Hmm. I did get into that one. I collected a lot of this stuff for that one. And there might be another game that I did. But this one is Disney. Not Ooh. Star Wars. This is Disney. <laughs> Disney Lorcana by Robinsberger. Now, there was there there's a little uh, little lawsuit going on with this. Uh, but it's not slowing down Robinsberger. They're just like, nope, we're not even listening. We're not even gonna. We're not even going to acknowledge it. We're just gonna keep pushing forward. The lawsuit is not with the IP itself, though. It is with the uh, with the designer who left uh, um, ultra, not Upper ultra Deck. Pro Upper Deck. There we go, Upper yeah. Deck. Oh goodness, I should look these things up. Anyway, yeah, yeah. The, the lawsuit is actually against the designer and Robinsberger and jointly. I'm going to say there's like three different types of lawsuits going on in there. So good. That's stuff. right. That's right. So who knows what that's going to end up on the other side? My guess is it doesn't hinder the release of this game. It doesn't seem like it is uh, hindering the release at all. Um, I, I have heard reports that they have canceled some events dealing with Orkana at Gen Con. But again, that could just be hearsay and that could also not be related at all to the lawsuit. But they are still having several events that are sold out and sold out within minutes. Okay. Okay. Now, this one is also listed as a, as a demo. Um, but originally I thought they said they were going to have some for sale or maybe you could, you, you're actually demoing this, right? So you have a better idea than I do. I, I actually won't be demoing it because they all sold out and I couldn't get to it. Oh, right, right. Okay. I, yeah. But some of the events, my understanding is you're paying to go to the event to demo it and you get like a starter pack and you get to keep that. And then you can use that to move on further into some of the other special events like tournaments they'll be having there. So so not for sale, but you can win copies. I think I think that's the deal. Or you can purchase copies if you're in those demo groups. And but again, that's not 100 percent sure. Yeah, my hope for this one, I I don't want to go all in. There is a lot a lot of stuff that you can buy for this, and I just I can't do that. There's a lot of other things I'd rather spend my money on. However, I would like to get some maybe some starter decks or mm-hmm. or something. You know, maybe some booster packs or something like that. Uh, my middle sister, I think is, is my target. Now she lives about an hour away, but I'm hoping that I can get her to get some stuff for this and maybe play against her, her, her kids, um, or other family members. But you know, we're a big Disney family. She likes games. Her kids like games. Uh, my family likes games. So I, you know, my, my family, I think would enjoy this as well. So who knows, who knows who's going to play this with me? Maybe nobody, but I still want to pick up some stuff for it. I play with you. If I'm with you, I want to pick up a few starter packs and maybe a booster or two. One of the collector deals that just that comes with the boxes you can store them in. It has some extra booster packs, and and I'm hoping that that's just enough. I would like to try it. I think the the art on these cards are beautiful. It's all original art, and being able to play with these characters again, I'm I want a, just a good Disney game that I can feel like I'm playing around with some of the characters. The Disney Smash Up does a little bit of that. Uh, the Disney villainous games do a little bit of that. Um, the the new Disney animated game coming out from 
what is that? Uh, Prospero Hall and Funko, I think, gives you some chance. I just want to play with the characters. And so this may be a good setting to do that. And the art is just gorgeous enough to make me want to pick up a few packs too. So yeah, I'll with you. And, you know, there's Disney Arena, which has that as well. Yeah, um, I wasn't as big of a fan of that though. Yeah, I just got it played this weekend, actually, and I jury's still out on this one. But I, I, given the option, I'd rather play unmatched, and it's not even that's, close for me. That's exactly how I was. I wanted it to be unmatched, and it tries to do some of the things that unmatched does, but unmatched just does it better, and so it's hard to to look over that just because they're Disney characters. So yeah, and and I, I like having a team. That's the other thing. I wished unmatched. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I wish Unmatch would make this, but but have a, the team aspect and not just the one v one kind of thing. You can play team. That. You can play team, and you can play battle royale. For no, no, no. I'm sorry. For um, for Disney, I like the idea that you have the team. You know, you're playing a three v three. Not not that you and I are teaming up against two other people, uh, gotcha. but the fact I'm that you, you have a team that you're playing with. Uh, which I guess you could do that anyway, but it would be a little more difficult. The thing that Disney Arena does well is you're just mixing all those cards together. Right. And so I, I do like that aspect a lot. I just prefer I, I just prefer the yeah. system of Unmatch better. Yeah. Agreed. So anyway, that's Disney Lorcana. That would be one that I, if if at all possible, I would have, you know, tried to get in that demo get in that demo line. But I'm, I would imagine I'm not the only one that wants to do that. Apparently there's a lot of people. Thousands upon thousands, my friend. Let's hear your number one. My number one. This is another one that I will probably try to get in line and run to because the sales of this are going to be limited and it, uh, it will be up for demo, I believe. And partially for sale. This is the game that, its counterpart. This is part of a Kickstarter that happened at the beginning of the year. And this was the one that I said, you know what? This is going to be a big fat Kickstarter and I need a little extra money. What part of my body can I sell to be able to fund this Kickstarter? I wasn't like Dean. I wasn't like considering my kidneys, but I did think my plasma, you know, it's just sitting there. I'm not using it. Might as well Mm. help somebody while helping myself. And so I use blood money to back Marvel United Multiverse. That's dedication. Okay, That is dedication. And so my number one game at Gen Con is their way of getting around wave one shipping. They said instead of shipping people out of base game uh, early and then waiting several months later to ship out the rest of the stuff, we're just going to do one wave shipping, make everybody happy who's thinking about shipping prices. We're going to give you one solid game that you can buy in retail in the summer. And that game is Marvel United Spider-Geddon. That's right. You heard me. Marvel United <laughs> Spider-Geddon. This is, um, this again, like I said, part of that multiverse camp, not part of the multiverse campaign, but spawned by the multiverse campaign that made $4.8 million from CMON. Looking at you, Mordred, where are you wow. at? But Spider again is sort of the answer to two-wave shipping. This is designed by um, Andrea, she have, I always pronounce this name, Chirvezio, forgive me, Andrea, and, uh, and Eric Lang. And this is set to, it's, it's set for a regular retail release in October. And I know like a few weeks ago, there was a, a, a false listing on, on Amazon saying it was going to be out the first. Uh, of August. Uh-uh. You only get it at Gen Con and then a retail in October. 
this is all the the multiverse goodness um, that you can include, all, all, all the Spider-Verse goodness that Marvel United can give you. Some of the heroes in this are, well, before I even get to that, if you're not familiar with, with, with Marvel United, again, it's a very light, chibi-style miniature game, cooperative style where you're playing cards out to take various actions, to move your heroes, to take out villains, and you're moving around the cards and, and these locations in a circular fashion. And whatever card you play, um, you get to use those, those icons on your card. And when your, your, um, your partner plays, they get to use the icons on your card and their card. And so you can always use the icons from the previous player to help you take your actions. You're moving, you're fighting, you're scheming, you're knocking out henchmen, you're, rescue, you're rescuing civilians. It's a lot of light fun. And all of the expansion stuff really brings these Marvel United games to life. And so I'm super excited about spider again can bring to the system because some of the heroes that are in this game are Symbiote Spider-Man, Scarlet Spider, Silk, Spider-Man Noir, which I still can't hear or think of without thinking about Nick Cage in the um, Across the Spider-Verse movies, the uh, Penny Parker, Spider-Punk. Uh, you've got some anti-heroes. These are people you can play as heroes or as villains, and it's going to have anti-venom and superior Spider-Man, you know, where Doc Ock became Spider-Man. And then you've got some of the villains, like, um, I can never pronounce the name, um, Marlon? Marloon? I think Marlon. so. Mar- Marlon? Yeah, yeah, that guy. And Spot. So um, the sculpts look great. The powers in this game look great. I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I haven't looked into this at all, even though you've talked to me about it a lot. But I am I am intrigued by this. You know, I like this game a lot. Um, and the heroes are are cool. And uh, having just seen Spider Verse, um, mm-hmm. yep. Spot, you know, playing against Spot would be fantastic. Playing with Spider Punk and Spider Man mm-hmm. Noir and Penny Parker, those are the ones I'm most excited about out of those. I yep. think. Um, I, I yeah, this is cool. This is cool. You're right. You're right. You win. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, the, the, I feel like the Gen Con preview list, there are a few heavy games in there. None of them really spoke to me, but there weren't a lot of them. Most of the games on my list are really light. But man, there's something about the the theme or the designers or what they're doing that just seems fun. And that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for fun. And I feel like this has a lot of fun in these lists. Yep. Yeah, I would really, I'd, I'd want to check this out for sure. Um, uh, I would guess I'll just have to wait till October then to pick this one up. But I, I, I probably so. will pick this up. Cool, cool. Uh, or you could pick it up for me. I could paint I could paint your copy for it. I could sell my painting skills. I'm not going to do that though. <laughs> I don't, that's too much work. <laughs> so you have so many miniatures you're trying to paint. There ain't no way. Do you know how many miniatures I have of Marvel United that I've not painted? Uh, it's less than me because I don't paint any of them. Yeah, and I've it, got them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. I've painted a decent amount from the first Kickstarter, but by a decent amount, I mean not even half. I don't, or about half of those, I guess. But from the X Men, I've only painted the base set. I've not painted anything else from that. It's a lot more that I would need to paint. That's why I had to stop just like going all in on these because it's just too much. And now that I've started mm-hmm. it. I don't want to play with any of the ones that are unpainted. <laughs> I have to be very selective about the ones that I'm going for. Right. And I, I haven't painted in a, in a minute. I haven't painted these in a minute. I've been painting other things. So, yep. 
I'm excited about this though. That that that's cool. I'm glad that they're doing. I kind of like how they've been releasing some of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, just at weird times, the price point on all of these games is really fantastic. Um, but you can go whole hog on it if you want to, but you don't have to. You can just go with the smaller sets. I yep. I, I say kudos to Come On Games for the way that they've been releasing these. Yep. Yep. Agreed. This is one of those that uh, I feel pretty excited about through and through with the the way they have tried to give the the fans what they want people can complain all they want about the shipping prices yeah that sucks but (laughs) (laughs) but but the actual campaign and and how they do it i feel like you really couldn't do it any any better uh the way they take care of the people again just trying to give people what they want so they can have some fun um with the fam and with the friends it's good stuff I agree. So that is Darren's number one. That is Marvel United Spider-Geddon or something along those lines. That's it. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to say my number one. I've already done my number one. What I was going to say is if you want to get in touch with us, if you have news you want to share with us, if you have you know your Gen Con picks, let us know. What what are your Gen Con picks? And, and if you want to do that, connect with us on the Guild and Discord, particularly on the Discord. There's a lot of great conversation going on there. You can find the link to that through our guild, or if you just reach out to us, Meepletown Mail, we can send you the link for that. I think that's probably the best way to do that at this point in time. If you want to connect with us on social media, it's at Meepletown Games on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and probably some other places that I'm missing. There's lots of places to connect with us, but again, Discord and Guild number 3407 on BoardGameGeek.com. Until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. You ready for this? I'm going to rapid fire some <laughs> options for you. These are Gen Cons. Choose this or that. Okay. You just okay. got to not think about it. You just got to go for it. You have two options of you can only go to one of these places. And you have to choose. All right. Okay. Are you going to go to, oh goodness. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Uh, okay, you can only choose one of these out of these two options. You ready? Okay. You can go demo Call of Duty or demo Ticket to Ride Legacy. Legacy. All right. You can buy, uh, let's say, Deep Dive, or you can buy Point City. This is both by the teams of Point City. Point, Point City? Okay, all right. You can buy Sagrada Artisans. Or you can buy, yeah, let's say Everdell Far Shore. What was the first one again? Sagrada Artisans. This is the legacy game. I'm just these are uh, totally random picks. Wow, that's tricky. Um, more Far Shore, more Everdell. Okay, <laughs> you can buy Halloween or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Chainsaw. And the last one, you can buy Acquire or you can acquire Robo Rally. <laughs> you say neither. Or or option number three comes in Princess of Florence from WizKids, another reprint. Or, or, Robo Rally sounds oh what oh there's more? Or what? or there's one more option thrown here. Another reprint, Amun Ray. I'm in Ray. <laughs> <laughs>